Good morning. <laughs> it is the Feast of the Holy Family, 7th of January, 2024. It's a Sunday, so the feast may have been supplanted by the Sunday Mass, but your parish priest may offer a homily in relation to the Feast of the Holy Family. <clears throat> I should know this, but uh, I barely pay attention to the ordinary form calendar. So is today the Feast of the Holy Family in the Novus Ordo? I, I don't know. I have a 1962 liturgical calendar. I because that's what my parish, the parishes I attend mass at use. So I honestly don't know, but it is the feast of the Holy family. It's uh, another one of those glorious feast days. It tends to be overlooked for some reason these days. And I don't know why. Now I'm going to be recapping a story that I covered back in early December here for you. But before I do that, I want to make sure people understand. This is a story about a, the closure of a traditional parish in a suburb of Perth, Australia. St. Anne's in Belmont. And I covered that story a month ago, and it had been it had a multi-year battle for the traditional mass in the Perth metro area. The Diocese of Perth had culminated in the longtime rector of a parish who had been the traditional, who offered exclusively the traditional mass there, had been removed as the rector of the parish in the implementation of Traditionis Custodis. And I'll give you the recap of that name here in a moment. But I received an email from someone who might be a good parishioner there, or just as likely, if not more, it came from the female parishioner that Father Michael Rowe will describe in the letter you're about to hear from me, from him that he doesn't ever name. I won't be putting the email on screen because I don't want to release the person's name or anything, or especially their email address to the internet, because that would be... Um, not a good thing to do, but I am very curious if this is from that person. Um, I don't have a way of verifying that, but her email is brief and I'm not going to put it on screen for the reasons I just said, in case she's just some, you know, innocent parishioner caught up in all of this. But her email says, quote, in case you missed my previous email, I have like 800 emails in my inbox. Please be cautious of commenting about the Perth TLM parish. It appears that the situation is not as black and white as many, including myself, had thought, and is actually somewhat disturbing. There should be clarity in a few days. End quote. That's her full email. She's prob probably referencing some accusations that Father Rowe allegedly took items that did not belong to him from the parish, including uh, the Blessed Sacrament, liturgical things, and such. Father Rowe addresses all those letters, all those all those things that people have said about him in his letter, and he frankly does a sufficient job of refuting those those things said about him that I'm just going to let him speak for himself because he cites chapter and verse of canon law. So in defense of what he did. So we'll hear about that in a moment. But here's a recap of the situation in case you're first hearing about this. Father Michael Rowe was removed as the rector of the parish of St. Anne, Anne Parish in Perth, Australia, early December 2023. The bishop said he was fully implementing Traditionis Custodis, and the priest who had been offering the traditional mass there since 2008 had not sought authorization from the bishop per Traditionis Custodis. Apparently, the bishop had told him that he needs to uh, ask for permission to offer it. Father Rowe addresses that in this letter. The bishop in his letter said he had given the priest a long time to comply with the requirement, but was finally acting to enforce Francis's diabolical 2021 decree a diabolical 2021 decree that was issued on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel because that's how Francis likes to do things. Diabolical is, by the way, my characterization of this, not the bishops or the priests, obviously. 
The battle to keep the TLM at that suburban parish had been going on for years. Church militant interviewed Father Mike Rowe back in 2022, and he said at the time he had been fighting to keep the mass there since at least 2018. Which is impressive because we, in 2018, you heard a little whispers about Francis not liking the traditional parish or traditional mass and wanting to do away with the TLM, but they were just at that time, just that rumors. There had not been any real overt action except against traditional religious orders, which had been going on since the day he became the alleged Pope. In early December, the mass was at far from what everything I've seen has been ended at that parish, though in his letter that I covered in my last video on this, the bishop said he would be having other priests come to offer the mass. So let me know in the live chat if you're in Perth and are aware of the situation, if there have been masses offered there since Father Rowe had been removed. What's what the priest now is up to now, I'm not exactly sure, but he has a letter that he wrote to the faithful, which I've pre-recorded for you here. I'll play that in a moment. An anonymous source from the parish told a Twitter account, Reinstate Catholic, the uh, something that I'll fault cover here in a moment. Reinstate Catholic also has the letter from the that he posted on Twitter. But normally I would just read it to you live with the text on screen. But no matter how much I zoom in, you can't make it out. So I had to pre-record it so you could see the text for yourself so you can read it. Now, this story is complicated by the fact that Father Michael Rowe was made aware that a neighboring Novus Ordo parish had inquired with the archdiocese about selling the property of the traditional parish so they could use the funds for their own building project in some way or another. That happened, and it's despicable, but here we are. It's a cautionary tale and will be yet another cautionary tale and used as a future example of why some traditional Catholics, including myself, quite frankly, find diocesan TLM offerings to be less than ideal and generally untrustworthy, not, usually not because of the priests. I've been to diocesan TLMs before. The priests there are as good as any other traditional priest most of the time. It's because they are in the most tenuous situation of all traditional parishes. But here, we're going to go now to Father Mike's letter on this so that you can see it for yourself. A statement on the incident at St. Anne's Church, Belmont, on the 2nd of January, 2024. My dear faithful, some have asked me what is happening with masses. I reiterate that you need to contact the Vicar General, Father Peter, Peter Whitley, at email address, or phone the church office at phone number to find out what is happening. I also wanted to provide you with all an update following the events of the last 24 hours. Earlier this morning, Tuesday, the 2nd of January, 2024, I attended St. Anne's Church to collect the last of my personal belongings and liturgical items. Unbeknownst to me, a well-known and very vocal female parishioner from St. Anne's had taken upon herself to escort Mr. Daniel Lynch, Executive Director of the Archbishop Office, a locksmith and two additional maintenance personnel from the Archdiocesan Property Team to the church to have the locks changed to the church. The parishioner advised that she was acting on behalf of the St. Anne's community, yet she had no evidence that she was working for anyone other than herself. Yet again, there was no notice, communication, or liaison with me around this so that you can imagine it was quite a confronting and upsetting scene. It is a matter of basic decency and courtesy that any such material changes like this be politely and respectfully communicated to me before it is done because I have not been advised of anything and have a right to retrieve my personal items from the buildings before my access to them is denied. Such matters of basic human decency and courtesy are clearly not important factors for the vocal female parishioner in the archdiocese as can be seen by their atrocious actions this morning, 2nd of January, 2024. 
As it happens, there were about other 20 other regular worshiper, worshiping parishioners who were also on site this morning when this happened, who were there in the hope of finding out about mass schedules for the future, including weekday masses. The 20-odd parishioners who were present were horrified and appalled with the actions of this well-known vocal woman and the actions of Mr. Lynch in the archdiocese. Regretfully, tensions were running extremely high, and there was an affray between myself, this group of 20 concerned parishioners, who were supporting me, and the vocal woman with Mr. Lynch in the archdiocese. What was evident from that exchange was that the woman in question, who screamed at me accusing me of being a traitor, did not in fact speak for all of you, the Latin mass community, as she purported to do so. In fact, the woman's actions are in direct contradiction to the 650-plus parishioners who signed the letters of support for me addressed to the archbishop. It is evident that she does not speak for you, the Latin mass community, but appeared entirely to be in it for her own reasons of being a self-appointed, quote, spokesperson and, quote, lay leader of the Latin mass community, who is largely out of touch with the majority of that community. <clears throat> it is unfortunate that I need to alert you to this fact in a public statement, but you must be aware that the devil always seeks to sow seeds of confusion. Divide and conquer is a long-term strategy the evil one has used, and that strategy is sadly being employed at St. Anne's in Belmont. It is sad that some members of the community appear willing to do Satan's bidding in sowing division and discontent. I warn you to be constantly on guard against such evils. And the like, and like the great retreat master St. Ignatius of Loyola always teaches, we must always exercise great discernment of the spirits that motivate one's actions. Like our Lord says, you will know them by the fruit they bear. If the actions of any person in the community or the parish sow discord or division, and you could take it as a sure sign, the spirit moving such actions do not come from God. The affray resulted in lots of raised voices, shouting and name-calling between several of the St. Anne parishioners who support me and Mr. Lynch and the vocal female parishioner. Matters became so heated that I was concerned it would turn into a physical confrontation, but I am glad that my prayers that, that my prayers that it would not turn physically violent were answered, although the scene was certainly emotionally charged and psychologically violent. Some of you have inquired about what St. Anne will look like when you next attend Mass there. I have removed my personal belongings and returned to the church to the original state it was in the day it was handed over to me as rector of St. Anne's in 2010. It is usual for a priest to take his belongings with him, and I could not in good conscience leave my liturgical items in the hands of the archbishop who, you must know by now, wants to severely restrict the traditional Latin Mass. As there was no communication with me as to a handover or scheduling of Masses, a common courtesy not afforded to me, I was extremely concerned that the items belonging to me and that I had installed and provided during my time as rector at St. Anne's would be removed or discarded, much like many beautiful statues and liturgical items were destroyed after Vatican II. These items are of no use to anyone save for the use in the traditional Latin Mass, hence why it is crucial that they are safeguarded. Please note that I did not take anything away from St. Anne's that does not belong to me, despite what others may say, and I left the church in exactly the same condition in which we received it when we were given it. I did not take anything that was parish property. It is false for the vocal female parishioner who is now my critic or the archdiocese to accuse me of being a, quote, traitor for leaving the church in the state in which it was provided to us by the archdiocese in the first place. It is incongruous for these people to think that once I have been removed as rector and pastor of the community who chose worship there that I would somehow enrich the archdiocese and or the territorial Novus Ordo Parish with my personal secured items and liturgical paraphernalia used for the Latin Mass when these things will be never returned to me when the archdiocese eventually does decide to transition St. Anne's to the Novus Ordo Mass and or shut it down completely. 
These aims are entirely in accordance with the Holy Father's desires as outlined in Traditionis Custodis and its accompanying letter to the bishops. It would be foolhardy for anyone to think that St. Anne's will eventually be shut down and or eventually made to transition to the newer liturgical rites. With the ending of my tenure as rector comes the end of the use of the liturgical items I personally provided for use in that church during my tenure. Some things I want to reiterate to all of you. 1. Much like the bank accounts that were closed off from my access with no notice or communication to me, I anticipated that the liturgical items belonging to me would be seized without notice or any care that they, had, that they be preserved. As a result, I deemed it most necessary and appropriate that my liturgical items be removed and safeguarded in the future. 2. St. Anne's Church is currently in the control of the Clover, Cloverdale Parish and may be sold at any point, whether the hall, the church, or both. Remember, a request for the Archbishop to sell part or all of St. Anne so the clergy of Cloverdale could build a new house to live in was what started the property rights struggle I had to ensure the Archdiocese over just to secure your rights to worship in the Latin Mass there. The potential sale of some or all land at St. Anne's was confirmed in the letter from the Archbishop to me, dated 31st of January 2019. This fact of itself is too much of a risk to leave such beautiful and liturgically significant items, which were acquired by me in the hands of the Archbishop. The Archbishop clearly stated in his most recent letter to me, 22nd December 2023, that even if I had signed the historically and factually inaccurate declaration requesting permission to say the traditional Latin Mass, he still would have removed me as rector and spiritual leader of the first traditional Latin Mass community. The inference from this is that the Latin Mass is being severely restricted and with no leader appointed, who else will ensure continuity and operation of St. Anne's? As you all know, I requested multiple times to meet with the Archbishop over the years. Most recently, I requested that we meet to discuss his decision to remove me. That would have been the ideal time to arrange a handover meeting to ensure the faithful were provided for in terms of scheduling Masses, assuring you that all the old rite sacraments would continue to be provided, and me notifying them that I would be taking my own liturgical items and that replacements should be arranged. Again, this common courtesy was denied me by the Archbishop. This does not make my actions in this regard villainous, as some would have you believe. Much like the court case and lit litigation process, none of this has been done for my personal gain, and instead has come at great personal cost and strain to me. My liturgical items were not removed from St. Anne's because I wanted to be vindictive. Quite the opposite. I have such a deep love and reverence for the traditional Mass that all the liturgical items belonging to me have been set aside for the preservation of all Latin Masses for the future. You must know that by now. Under Canon 934, subsection 2 of the Code of Canon Law, the Blessed Sacrament cannot remain in a church if there is no priest appointed to be in charge. The Archbishop's letter of 23rd December 2023 to me made it clear that it was that I was no longer rector of St. Anne's and that the role of rector was abolished. That is, there is no rector going forward. As a result, it is my obligation as outgoing rector to remove the Blessed Sacrament. Since the best of my knowledge, there was no longer a priest appointed to be responsible for the Blessed Sacrament in my absence. Again, I could not in good conscience allow the Blessed Sacrament to remain in a church with no rector appointed or transparent plan in place for the future. I therefore dutifully removed the Blessed Sacrament from St. Anne's Church in accordance with the norms of canon law. I trust this provides enough context to you all as to why I have acted as such. As always, you are in my prayers and I'm available should you wish to contact me via email or phone. Signed, Father Michael Rowe, Rector Emeritus of St. Anne's Belmont. I suspect the, those last portions of that letter were what that email I referenced earlier was trying to warn me about. That, you know, the the really 
bad things that the email referenced were the his taking of the blessed sacrament and his his taking of his own liturgical items it is common for priests to keep their liturgical items to purchase their own as an example in my own ancient history i knew of a now retired uh, novus ordo priest who was the who was the, the pastor of the he was the actual appointed pastor of a historic parish in portland oregon who was trained in both the traditional or tr both trained in the novus ordo mass and in one of the eastern liturgical rites i don't remember which one I want to say Byzantine, given that Byzantine, given that it's Portland, and there aren't very many Eastern rites available in Portland, but Byzantine is one. And he actually had purchased his own altar cloth that, it, because it was blessed, was according to the norms of the church, al allowed him to say mass anywhere, in either form. He had one of those, and he took it with him when he retired. He also took many of his own things with him when he retired. Why? Because when you're a priest. As long as you're physically capable of, of offering mass, you're supposed to keep offering mass until you physically cannot offer it anymore. It is quite normal for priests to buy their own liturgical implementations and to take them with them when they're reassigned or whatnot. That's what the priest has said he did here. And if there is no rector assigned to that parish, that means there is no priest on site to make sure the Blessed Sacrament is safe. This should not need explaining in an age where there are people who try to make off with the Blessed Sacrament to do all sorts of nefarious things with it. We see those reports in Catholic media all the time. This is not controversial. Good morning to all the people from Australia tuning in this morning. I'm not surprised. Um, please, uh, after the stream, share this with people in your communities. If you can, it would be appreciated. Um, there's that part of me that does suspect that the email I received from the person warning me to be careful about covering this was from actually the uh, the female parishioner that he he mentions there, but I don't know for sure. I won't say the person's name because I don't want to cause them any problems, un any unwarranted problems. But if you are familiar with the situation in Perth there, please email me and let me know what the name of that person is, if it's known, and just so I can have it confirmed for myself. Um, let's see. Lynn in, uh, in Australia says, Father Roe comes across as a very faithful traditional priest with the true faith. I pray that he finds a home somewhere where he can faithfully offer the traditional Latin mass. Um, what Bridget to say says SSPX question mark. I did see that um, that uh, somebody in the chat earlier had said here. Let me see if I can pull it up for you because the chat was pretty lively. Here it is. Libertad says, I am in the Archdiocese of Perth. A proportion of Father Rowe's parishioners have started going to the local SSPX, which is not surprising. Anyone who's been paying attention to the effects of Traditionus Custodis knows that the SSPX parishes are swelling because of it. A lot of people bypassing any local FSSP or Institute of Christ the King or other group entirely because if they've read the letter, they know, and the and Francis's accompanying letter to the bishops, which explained his intent, the entire purpose of Traditionus Custodis was the beginning of phasing out of the traditional Latin Mass. The letter says that. <laughs> it says that we are all to be brought back into the Novus Ordo and taught how wonderful it is. So many people decided, well, why would I want to go become part of a community that is that has a sunset of some kind, an unspoken sunset date? So they went SSPX. And that's to be expected in these situations. Um, Tina says, perhaps the SSPX can have a way of welcoming such banished priests as an option if they're willing to accept the SSPX. So the SSPX will accept priests, but 
there's a screening process and the SSPX is limited resources. They have to be very careful because a lot of priests, just like a lot of laity who call themselves traditional, have modernist tendencies. I think it was Father Ripperger who himself said that pretty much everybody is to a degree a modernist today. That's just how bad, how widespread that error has become. And the SSPX very carefully safeguard against that. And so they don't just accept any bishop or any priest who comes to them. I don't know what the process is, but I know there is one. And knowing that such a process exists is sufficient for me. Um, I want to show you this picture here. Um, it comes from the account Reinstate Catholic. I haven't asked him if he's actually a uh, if he is actually Australian, but I suspect he is because he's been posting things about this. But that's a picture of the locks being changed as referenced by the um, in the letter. So yeah, you see, there's representatives from the diocese there. There is the unnamed parishioner that Father Rowe was mentioning was not named, but there's a young man, probably just a professional locksmith, changing the locks on the parish afterwards, which I do believe is probably, honestly, just part of the way things typically are. Um, but Reinstate Catholic also shared this here, too. Um, this is a anonymous source at the parish writes the following. Now, let me zoom in for you guys, because I just want to make sure you can follow along with me. She says, our church is desperate for help prayers. Just this week, our rector father, Michael Rowe, was ousted from his church at St. Anne's, Belmont, Perth, Western Australia. He moved his per personal belongings for the preservation of the Latin Mass. I have personally gone there and seen what was removed. Sadly, there are not many vestments such as cassocks and supplices for altar servers and vestments for the replacement priests, including Father Brian Limborn, a dear friend of Father Rowe and a canon lawyer himself, to wear that are of the traditional rite. For those of you who don't know, yes, the vestments after Vatican II were changed. Before Vatican II, priests dressed in a similar way, but the differences are striking. We have seen some of us make, we have some of us making slowly, and if anyone has any help they could send or donate, we would be ever in our debt. Anything to help us continue celebrating the traditional Latin Mass would be wonderfully, wonderful and greatly appreciated. Right now, it is just early days restarting from scratch. We want to support Father Rowe, who needs to lay low for a while, and in doing so, we have to keep holding fast to the Latin Mass and show our Archbishop we are strong in both numbers and support. He, he meaning Father Rowe, has been banned from celebrating Mass in the TLM right in our whole state, making it impossible for him to connect with us parishioners. We are his family. Please, if anyone reading this or anybody hearing this uh, could help you, you know, kindly let the admin of this group, they posted this in some group somewhere, know and they can let me know. We need prayers. That is what will carry us through. We aren't going to just pass out away and, and go quietly. We plan to stand united and fight the good fight. I'm so sorry to make such a request. You're all in my prayers. God bless you abundantly. Please feel free to pass this on to anyone who you think may be able to help provide cassocks and supplices or priestly TLM vestments or patterns for these vestments. I can pass on to the two friends I know who are able to do so, some sewing or prayers. Um, and there's a St. Anne's Facebook group and all of these things. There's a YouTube channel link there. I will have this linked in my show notes that'll go live here just within minutes of this live stream being completed. That is your update on what's going on in Perth. The priest is without a job. I wonder if he will be trying to con connect with any organizations meant to support canceled priests. Um, I don't think the Coalition for Canceled Priests is operating in Australia. In fact, I don't know if there is an Australia, any organization in Australia for supporting such priests. And if there isn't, anybody with the resources to do so may consider trying to start that very difficult project of getting such an organization off the ground. 
Let's turn now to the live chat to see what's going on. Richard Rogers says, good evening from Japan. Well, good evening to you, sir. Um, I studied Japanese in high school and I made it through second year. And the first year got an A, second year I squeaked out a C because that was when we started going and relearning the language in all the very different ways you could write the language. And I barely squeaked through. That was also like 30 years ago I uh, or 25 years ago. I barely remember any of it. Um, Tina says, I sense all this sort of shocking attacks on traditional priests will only increase, especially as those attacking truly believe they're following Pope Francis. Welcome to the diabolical disorientation in the church that we were warned about in the 1960s. I think that you're going to see this ramp up also because of fiducia supplicans. We've seen this. I mean, we've seen every good bishop in the church, basically, and a lot of ones who'd remain silent before this step up and say that this that document was diabolical. And a lot of Catholics saying, well, I read the document. It was fine. Right. I mean, this is what we're seeing. More division. More, more division. Um, Lynn reminds us that there is, uh, that, that the SSPX have a parish not far from there. I am pro SSPX. I'm also pro FSSP. I'm pro any traditional mass offering. I do find, as I've said before, the diocesan ones to be the most troubling for exactly this reason, because it was a neighboring Nova Sorta parish, like not far from them. That one of that property sold or parts of that property sold so they could build a a new rectory basically for their priests to give you an idea of the tenuous situation here why that's okay why is it okay for a diocesan parish to inquire with a with the diocese about basically shutting down another diocesan parish to use the funds from shutting it down or undermining its operations to then for their own parishes material advancement why is that okay how is that okay how is that keeping in any way with Catholic norms of decency. Travis asks, who can stop them? Nobody. Maybe Francis. <laughs> um, it's, not a, it's not funny, but the idea of him doing that is, uh, of this is, is laughable. Tina says, there are, no, there are not any Nova Sorda priests that she knows of that support and speak favorably towards the SSPX to the faithful, so these attacks will increase. I experienced this personally. I have met some ordinary form priests who, who, who admire Archbishop Lefebvre. But again, America, I think, is um, weirdly more inclined towards traditional Catholicism than a lot of other places are. That's why America is one of the places where people like I come from. Most of your commentators seem to come from the United States. I think Australia definitely needs its own like voices for this. This is why I've been like looking at trying to find Australian news, Catholic outlets. Um, I don't even know, for instance, from looking at the, from looking at the two that I found, or maybe three, the three that I found, if uh, which ones are trustworthy, which, if which ones are the, you know, the Australian equivalent of the national Catholic register and which ones are the Australian equivalent of the national Catholic reporter or American magazine. I don't know because I, I've been to Australia. I've been to Perth. Technically, I've been to Sydney and Melbourne, but that's about it. Like, I mean, technically, because I've been in their airports, but that's it. I, I, I don't know anything about the that sort of side of the church in Australia. <clears throat> we don't know how many there are, how many priests have been canceled. All I know is that Exerge Domine in, in, in uh, Italy and Don Minatella's organization in Italy are both very busy. And I know that in the United States, the Coalition for Canceled Priests, Protect Our Priests, Exerge Domine are very busy. 
uh, it is worth reminding though, sometimes priests do get quote canceled by their bishops for legitimate reasons because sometimes, because as we know, wicked men find their way into the hierarchy or into the church, into positions of authority. It does happen. Well, anybody who remembers 2003 knows that fully well. All right. Taking a little, one last look at the chat. If there are any questions, this is the time for them. I will have the, um, the, 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 I will have all these sources in the chat below. Um, if somebody reminds us what happened to Cardinal Pelt, right? I mean, Australia is itself also just as a society not allied with the church. It took basically the country's supreme court to step in and dismiss the comically bad and unjust charges against Cardinal Pell. Like if you heard about the things that they said Cardinal Pell allegedly was alleged to have done, if you actually read how they said he was alleged to do it, and if you've ever served in an ordinary form mass, especially one for a bishop, you know that that would not have happened. It could not have happened. It was just something somebody fabricated. Just if you have that experience at all. I know because I have served masses for a bishop before. I have served masses at cathedrals before. I know <laughs> that the way they described it could not have happened. It just couldn't have. And it took all the way up to their Supreme Court for someone to, for them to point that out, that this was exactly what they did to him was evil. <laughs> all right. Um, Deborah Saints says that the uh, SSPX already is acting in the state of the emergency in the church. Right. And the, it's a state that's been going on for 60 years, at least. That's why they do what they do and why they haven't gotten out of canonical limbo yet because they have been trying to keep make good, maintain good relations with the Vatican, which they've gotten a lot of criticism for from other groups to the point where some priests have left the SSPX to form found what they call the SSPX resistance of the Marian Corps because they believe that the SSPX has gotten too cozy with the Vatican. Um, also, there's a rumor, someone out there saying they've confirmed that Archbishop Vigano, um, uh, Dr. Lex, why, YouTube refused to let me post my comment about Australia. If it had a link in it, I, I, I have my settings set so links won't show up in my comments. They just don't. That's what, is, that might be the problem. It could also be if you're using any kind of, uh, well, so, well, you know, spicy language, that might be the thing. But there's somebody out there claiming they have confirmed that Vigano has been conditionally reconsecrated a bishop or something by Bishop Williamson, but then they don't provide evidence for this. The only evidence that would get me to believe that is if Archbishop Vigano himself came out and said that. I'm not saying it did not happen. I'm saying don't believe everything you see on the internet. Okay, that's something I wanted to make sure that a lot of people know. You're going to hear this stuff, and it would not be in keeping. The reason I'm suspicious of the claim in general is because Vigano just basically said at Dr. Ed Maza's conference that he doesn't have the authority to formally declare Francis an anti-pope. So if he doesn't have that authority, why would he believe that the sacraments as redesigned after Vatican II are invalid? It's a interesting discussion that, but it's, you know, not, I, it doesn't keep, it's not in keeping with what he has said on that subject. So I'm suspicious of it and I will remain suspicious until someone actually provides photo evidence of it or until uh, Vigano himself confirms it. That's just where I'm at. Learen says, what happened to Cardinal Pell? Was that a sideshow to recall him to Oz because of what he was investigating? I think so, actually. Here's the thing. You know that story about Cardinal Beccio, the Vatican's trial of the century? Covered that recently. 
if you look at the line of people who were investigating the financial problems of the Vatican, Betchew was kind of involved in that, but he wasn't really investigating. <laughs> but before him was Cardinal Pell. And before Cardinal Pell, in that line of people, was Archbishop Vigano. Vigano helped recover a lot of money that had been going missing and being used for bad purposes back to proper use for by the Vatican. And to protect him from the consequences of that, Benedict sent him to the United States to be the nuncio, get him out of the Roman Curia. Cardinal Pell was investigating it, finding the same problems that Vigano was. But then he went to Australia to take deal with things. And there were some mysterious money transfers from Italy to that, to Australia just before he went there. I mean, it's pretty obvious what happened when you look at just what we know. Um, okay. Dr. Lex says basically each diocese here has a, Oh, that would, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I see why you couldn't make the comment there. You used it probably the way no, most normal people would. <laughs> um, for some reason, another word for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all it says. Yeah, they, they do. All right, folks. If there's anything further, Damien Keller says, banks were involved years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the uh, the abdication of Benedict, you'll see that there was a lot of financial things involved with that too. The ATM stopped working in Vatican City. I mean, it was weird. <laughs> it was very strange stuff. And if you're looking for any evidence that Benedict was pushed out of the papacy, thus possibly invalidating it, that I personally is where you should look is that area combined with the, with the, it, it, it has been said that Bergoglio, Cardinal Bergoglio was known to be a, a manifest public heretic before that conclave. Those are the two places I think people should look if you're looking for any claims of Francis not being valid. Have we even heard the findings of the Vatican Bank stuff yet? So lax for Pope Francis did let this lapse conveniently now that Pell had... Nope, I don't think we have heard anything much other than that Cardinal Betchew, I think, is the fall guy for all the stuff that they found. And even then, he's still saying masses publicly and still has his apartment, and Cardinal Burke doesn't. Um, all right, folks. Going to, I think, wrap this up here. It's a Sunday morning. I need to, uh, you know, start getting my own family ready for mass and all the rest of it. So if there are any final thoughts in the chat, this would be a good time for them. Have I read Contramundum, Latin for Against the World, in four languages that includes Pell's last two sermons and more about what he was doing behind the scenes? I have not had a chance to do that yet. I finally got my copy of Credo in the mail. I ordered it like a month ago. <laughs> finally, it came in the mail yesterday. So, but I haven't not I've not read Contra Mundum. I should add it to my list though. Um, all right. Again, if you are in Australia, feel free to set, share this in your groups. Um, and if send me an email if you can with um, if you know the identity of the person who. Uh, Father Rowe was referencing in his email just for my own edification because I got an email from somebody claiming to be that, you know, that they had been on the side of Father Rowe but weren't really anymore because of stuff. And well, I'm curious if that was the person, if it was the same person or not. Um, but also uh, to links to if you have any to any trustworthy Catholic news sources in Australia because the state of the church in Australia is not getting enough coverage outside of Australia and even in Australia, which is unfortunate. 
Tina says it's only 50 pages in English. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I could read that in a, in an hour or and a half. I should do so. All right, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in today. May God bless you. And remember today is the feast of the Holy family. Um, epiphany is being observed in many parishes today as well. Um, could I do a video explaining the changes to the mass after Vatican to explain significance to those want to learn this? That's not a video. That's a book. I mean, the changes were enormous. To give you an idea, it's not the differences aren't that they're the language. Um, some somebody who is like liturgically minded as a the, as a lay theologian put the two masses side by side and found that there's really only eight percent continuity between the new mass and the old. Eight percent. The changes the, the the new mass was developed by a suspected stonecutter and a with a committee of Protestant ministers who then literally implemented every single thing that Cranmer and Luther implemented into their liturgy with the, that those two historic figures implemented in their own liturgical so-called reforms designed to destroy belief in the real presence. Why do you think only 30% of people in uh, only 30% of Catholics in the ordinary form believe in the real presence because of those implementations, which include communion in the hand and priest facing people and all these other kinds of things. So, Anyway, thank you very much, folks, for, for tuning in. Um, and uh, as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria. <laughs>